Hey guys, welcome to a new episode of Gay Side Stories, where the gay shit goes. I'm your host, Trillificent. Thank you so much for joining me for another week. Remember, you guys can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, whatever your favorite podcast app is, or on the website at GaySideStories.com slash shows. Remember to use the hashtags when you're listening to the show and you're live tweeting or you're posting about it, whether it be on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, the official hashtag for the show is gay side pod. And also use the hashtag pods by QPOC. That is the hashtag that I created to help people find podcasts with queer hosts that are black or brown or basically just non-white Send in your gay side mail that's listener letters, compliments, show topic ideas, stories. If you just want to communicate with me, if you want to be on the show, if you have a good idea for a collaboration, anything of that nature, you can send all of that stuff to gaysidestories at gmail.com. This episode, I just have to say, was very real and raw. It's one of those reflective episodes. I did it with one of my closest friends and I think it was very revealing to both she and I as friends and to ourselves. So I'm very excited for you guys to hear this episode and see what the feedback is going to be. So I am going to go ahead and get it started. Enjoy. So I'm excited about this conversation. I have another return guest. Someone that I am very close to and I hold dearly. My good friend Bree has returned to the show. Host of Mama Meets World, brought to you by the CSPN, produced by yours truly, Bree. Hello. Welcome. Thank you so much for welcoming me in, in my own home. <laughs> Straight from North Carolina. So this is Brie of Mama Meets World Podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm excited about this episode. Yeah, it's going to be heavy. It's going to be heavy, but light and fun. Yes. Yes. Nice and easy. (laughs) (laughs) So before we get into that, why don't you talk a little bit about what made you get into podcasting and what made you want to bring Mama Meets World to fruition? So it's an idea that I've had for a long time, but there was no direction. So it's like, okay, I want to do a podcast. I want to capitalize on, you know, the following that I had on social media. Not that it was huge, but it was enough. And it was enough of a specialized audience that I felt like I would be amiss if I didn't at least try. So I ended up being on Ratchet Ramblings and me, you and Jeremy and Candace had a great time. And like we were bullshitting after the show. And, you know, it was like a Brie. Have you ever? Oh, no, you weren't on that episode. But it no, was me, wasn't. me, Jeremy, and Candace. They're like, have you ever thought, you know, about doing a podcast? I was like, yeah, I have thought about it. And Jeremy was like, you know, maybe you should. So, of course, I came to you and I was like, so I think I want to do this. But I need to understand, like, it's a lot of work that goes into podcasts. And cool. a lot of work that goes into podcasts. And I say that twice because... I feel like the reason that people aren't successful or podcasts are born is because the planning is not proper. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so we came together, we, we got the show idea together and I don't know, the first time that I recorded, it took like five tries for me to feel right about it. And then I listened to it and I was like, okay, the goal of my show was to connect with mothers, black mothers specifically. Even though I'm divorcing in different phases of their life, just have something that all black mothers can connect to in some kind of way. So my specific um, direction is because I'm a divorced mom, I'm a black mom, but all the mommy blogs and podcasts and shit, they all really focus on this very homogenic, I'm a, a mom, my husband works, I stay home with the kids and make Pinterest snacks, and that's just not my reality. So I knew that more people would connect to that. So that's why I started it. Good stuff, good stuff. Shout out to all of the black mothers out here holding it down. Holding it down. Teaching boys how to be men, even though y'all swear it's impossible. Yep. But there's so many out here who were raised by single mothers. So I, yeah, it's really Oprah gift. So what is the truth? But that's not what this show is about. So we're not going to get into that. 
What we are going to get into, first off, is the queer query. All right. Question. So we're going to start with rapid fire questions. So I'm going to say a word. You say the very first thing that comes to mind. Don't even think on it. First. Why am I closing my eyes like that's going to help me? (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm I'm ready. Okay. (laughs) You have to visualize. Visualize that I'm only saying the first word. Okay. All right. You ready? Yes, I'm ready. Dark. Light. Blue. Orange. Wind. Water. Show. Tunes. Laugh. <laughs> Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> Show tunes. Okay. 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 Next question. Mm-hmm. Which celebrity, that's not Beyonce, do you wish you could be best friends with? Rihanna. Same. I want to be friends with Rihanna because Rihanna... Even though, you know, I love Beyonce and I used to be like, you can only choose one like Highlander between Beyonce and Rihanna. But I feel like this fun, energetic, this is who I am shit Beyonce is doing now. Rihanna's been doing it since her second album. And she just seems fun. Like she seems like the person you want to hang out with all day. Y'all have plans that just naturally come together. She ain't boring. Everybody having a good time. So I, I pick Rihanna. Yeah. I mean, I pick Rihanna just because, like you said, she seems fun. She seems like she gets the best weed available. Yes, absolutely. But I'm actually a little bit on the opposite end with you. So would you say this Beyonce that we have now having fun and everything is what we've been getting from Rihanna? I would say on the flip side, the this business-minded Mm-hmm. Empire growing Rihanna that we're getting now mm-hmm. is the Beyonce we've gotten since yes. Destiny's Child days. Yes. So I like that just a just a position. Um, One day we'll talk about though how it's like you can't have both. You can't. You not at the same time until no. you get to a right. level. You have to curate it yourself yes. and make it you know what it is, right. and what it looks like. Okay. So last question is okay. guest question. So what do you have for me? Um, I'm going to say the opposite of your question. And my question is, what celebrity do you feel like you would be like mortal enemies with if you knew them personally, just based off of the things they do? I mean, I don't pay attention to a lot of Mm -hmm. celebrities. So I would say probably Lil Duval. Uh, I don't even know if he counts as a celebrity. Extreme D-list. But I feel like he would be someone that it doesn't matter what he does. It doesn't matter what he says. He's always going to be on my nerves. He annoys me so fucking bad. Yeah. Like every every time he takes a stance about something that's problematic. Yeah. Every All single that, time. That remix that came out. Live with my best. I, re- I roll my eyes every time I hear and see that shit because every time I hear his voice or I see his face, I think about that stupid shit he was saying on the breakfast club. So well, y'all can jam and have fun with that. If you want to the North remembers, bitch. <laughs> when I was miss Bree, Mrs. Bree, mm-hmm. he said some dumb shit that he retweeted one of my tweets. I don't even remember what it was about, but he retweeted one of my tweets. And my mentions did not let go for days just with garbage pails of niggas, garbage pails of the trashest niggas just going off on his same opinion. And he annoys the crap out of me. So, but the answer to your question, my question for me is, I'm going to say Nicki Minaj. She came to mind, but I don't think she would annoy me as much behind the scenes. Now, that shit that she does in the limelight, I'm like, I'm good on that, sis. But if you want to get together later and have, you know, some dumplings and some weed, then I'm good. <laughs> you know, I feel like we would have a good time, but I can't rock with you in, 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 in the limelight because you out here, you know, some crazy. I think the thing that solidified it for me and all I can think of right now is that clip of her and her girls. I'm putting girls in air quotes. And she's like, when I see you, it's going to be on site. None of them bitches look like they would jump at anything, first of all. Second of all, how lame are you when you are in the midst of your fucking friends and feeling the love and the fellowship that you want to talk about fighting some damn body? That ain't worth And somebody ain't even worried about you. That's number two. Number three is all this shit feels so performative. And me and Jeremy have been on the hate Nicki Minaj train for a minute. And there's no reason for me to get off right now. Fair enough. Good luck, everybody. Good luck, Nicki. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, that's going to wrap up the queer query. So now we're going to get into the main wig snatching topic and of the episode. A little bit of background is that me and Trilifa said we're going to do this episode, what, two months ago? A month ago? Yeah, it was a while ago. A while ago, but life. And, you know, he had other episodes that, that came out further. And we were like, we knew we had this trip where we were going to actually be in the same room. Mm-hmm. So we were like, it will work better now. So I took the quiz um, that we're going to talk about. And I think I took it. I got the link. I'm like, oh, let me go ahead and take this. Not thinking anything serious. And the questions it asked, I was like, bitch. Mm-hmm. Like, it was one of the moments where you had to kind of like stop. Like, shit. And then when I started answering all the questions in a certain type of way, I was like, bitch, you fucked up out here. Like <laughs> This quiz is what Iyamla thinks she does. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if you couldn't tell, we're talking about the love style quiz. So we both took the quiz. Mm-hmm. It gives you, I want to say your four or however many, at least four, I think, love styles. And it bases them on percentage. So you have a primary, you have a secondary, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. So, we're only going to talk about our primary and our secondary. But the reason why I wanted to do this episode with you is because you are one of my friends that is a hopeless romantic. I resent that statement because... I don't know why. It's the truth. I'd be out here trying to be so fucking tough. I think I said this to Leah the other day. I'm city girls in the street and boot up in the sheets. Like, I really be out here like, fuck these. (laughs) Yeah. But the specific nuance on that is that you often, well, I don't say often, but there have been times where you kind of try to impart some of that onto me. You're very um, cognizant of my yes. feelings about yes. dealing with men in love. Yes. Quote unquote love. I will. And relationships and all that. So I thought it would be very interesting for us to do this. And have this breakdown and really yeah. for me to see how how spot on or not I am about my assessment on you and yeah. same for you and to just give some feedback and some understanding. So Wait, before, before we move on to that, I think it's gonna be interesting because I think we're polar opposites and the way we deal with love like deep down inside i think our love styles are similar but we have to get to that point like you know the things that we've talked about the type of people we are type of shit it's really along the same lines like i know you go ahead because i think we're going to talk about this anyway (laughs) okay so first we're going to talk about personal assessment so what are your current thoughts and feelings on love and that's romantic and platonic I'm going to go to platonic first because platonic friendships, those type of loves have always carried me Um, in my life. I had a kind of difficult upbringing. Um, I had tumultuous teenage years. I had my 20s were flip flop up and down of trying to get financially stable and all of that shit. And my 30s are trying to rediscover myself after, you know, I've kind of got my shit together. But. The one constant that I've had, I've always had a group of friends, not even, I'm really fortunate that I have a group of friends that will hold me up. Like we get into it sometimes and sometimes we're not the best of friends, but I know at the end of the day, I could count on those people. I trust those people with my life. And when I talk about loving them and loving my friends, I can go on for days about the way I love my friends. Um, And I think that I've gotten more aware of how important these platonic friendship love relationships are the older I've gotten because I've lost friends. Mm -hmm. So my first friend that I lost, well, there, there was a core group of us that I went to college with. I lost one of my best friends divorce in 2013. And that was kind of a, a shakeup. And it was like a pay bitch people out here dying and shit. You know, you need to know how you feel about people and you need to tell people how you feel about them before you don't get the opportunity. And then in 2017, my friend um, Brandy passed. And it was kind of like an exclamation point on the same thing. You kind of lose track of those. So, But just to say all that to say, I never question how any of my friends feel about me. 
I never sit awake at night and think, damn, I did X, Y, Z for Curtis and I just feel like he not doing this for me. Or if we were in a similar, a swap situation, he wouldn't do those things for me. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, just the way I feel about that on the friendship side, I'm always in complete turmoil on the love side. I never believe anybody when they say they have feelings for me. Um, even though I am this hopeless romantic and I'll, I'll take that title. I'm a hopeless romantic. That's pretty much close to giving up because I feel like love is very performative. I feel like love romantic love between men and women that you just don't get to a certain stage when you want the things that I want, mm -hmm. like emotional maturity or someone to at least have a portion of their shit together before you entertain falling in love with them. Like people are, people are trash like but mm. but then just to say that to say one more thing to kind of wrap the questions together or the the two sides together is that the thing that terrifies me about love is um a romantic partner and i'm i'm straight so i date cis black men and i feel like they have this awful thing of wrapping how they care about you and friendship at first so that you can be comfortable, like I'm comfortable with my friends and I'm comfortable telling them how I feel about them and, you know, et cetera. And then they try to flip that shit on you when it comes to the love side. Mm. You know, they use it to their advantage because they know how you feel about them. I can see. Um, I would say I'm pretty indifferent to romantic love at this point. If it's meant to be, then it'll come club me over the head, I guess. But I'm not. <laughs> that sounds painful. Well... I get, I get it. Take. I get it, though. That's what it's gonna take, and it's not. I just, it's not a priority, and it's not something that I feel like I'm missing out on. It's not mm -hmm. something that I feel like I need at this point in my life, right. and I'm not giving it any, any real energy. Now, do I entertain conversations with guys? Of course, but. Am I thinking, okay, I'm a, I'm I'm ready for love, you know, call me India Ari? No. I'm not at that point <clears throat> in my life right now. As far as platonic, I'm to a point or I'm almost to the pinnacle of the point of matching energy when it comes to platonic love. So I'm mm -hmm. giving exactly what I get or less. Right. And that's not to call anybody out, that's not to be standoffish or anything, but if it, we all got pain, we all have lives, we all have things that we're going through. So if we just naturally don't give each other energy, then it is what it is. There's no yeah. love lost. If we talk seven months from now, then people know my, my number doesn't change. My social media, I don't plan on changing anytime soon. So it just, it is what it is yeah. really. And you know, when you talk about that matching energies thing, um, I tried to do that. Like, okay. So just to give a little background about me, Curtis is absolutely right when he says that I am a hopeless romantic. Well, let's save that for the next question. Okay. Cause we're going to kind of flip it. Okay. So on this one, we're going to assess one another. Oh, okay. So I guess I'll start. And it's going to be my assessment of your approach and feelings to love. Okay. Okay. So let's see. Do we need to fight? Will we need to fight? <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> You're not going to win, beloved. <laughs> let me uh, let me just push my bang to the side. Why are you pushing this back to the side? <laughs> <laughs> I got to get my yama on. Okay. 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 So this is my assessment of That's you. Not, y'all ain't got no damn bangs. You better show me some subway teeth. <laughs> this is what happens when you record in person okay so here's my assessment you love love mm -hmm. you love love you love hard you love fast too fast sometimes and that's that can be a little bit of a read but not really it's just general nation of who i am the truth is, is a read sometimes we have to be honest about that I think that you give your all to those that you love, and rather that's platonic or romantic, hell, even sometimes just sexual. It is what it is. It is what it is. 
And I think you can be blinded to red flags in dating and relationships because you love love so much. You love the feeling that you get the proverbial butterflies in your stomach. Do you have some tape to patch my fucking wig? (laughs) (laughs) So that's my assessment of you. That's how you approach love. That's how you feel about it. And trying to navigate loving love when love is hard and all of the other factors that you have to throw in there with motherhood and being Mm -hmm. a black woman and navigating these bear traps with these black men that you primarily date only date sadly okay well there you go i think that's yeah um so i'll answer i'll say my thoughts about what you had to say i think you're right um this is my thing and this is kind of like i haven't even discussed this with you this is what i've been toying around with in my head right you know that i love hard i love you know now me and you know each other intimately like we are really good friends so there is this strange phenomenon that happens with me when i'm dating somebody i don't see red flags because there aren't for the first maybe month and a half there aren't any mm-hmm. like I find these amazing ass, sexy, wonderful, in some cases with a little dough, you know, and I'm so hooked on the way it feels at first that I know that I make excuses for people if we move past that honeymoon phase into something a little harder to navigate because I'm like, no, this is how they are for real. Instead of saying, no, Brie, not this is how they are now, you know, I'm always trying to I guess they're going to let when people get high. You're always chasing that high, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm horrible at making excuses for people. And I try to, I'm trying to do a better job. But when I say that I'm trying to do a better job, you also have to realize I'm literally socialized in this is what's important in your life. This is what you have to do if you want to be happy. This is what, you know, and as I'm unlearning that, some of the shit comes apart because, again, we've known each other for what, 10 years? Yeah. And you've seen from the beginning of that to now how this is my version of cold. (laughs) This is my version of I really don't give a shit. And you know what I mean? Like, even though it doesn't look like other people's versions of it, I don't do this shit. I don't put my heart in dating like that anymore. Because when every time I put my heart in dating, I get frustrated. I get disappointed. So I don't think you're wrong about me at all. But. And it's not to say that it can't change. You recognize things you need to work on. But it's probably not going to change. I mean, to be completely honest. Good luck, everybody. (laughs) Good luck. Okay, so what's your assessment of you? Okay, my assessment of you is that we're on opposite ends of... If you don't stop flipping it, fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) So we're on opposite ends of the spectrum or whatever. I think... For you, knowing you over this time and seeing how things have kind of shaped out for you romantically, you completely 100% have the ability to give all of yourself, right? You also have the ability to be this caring, loving, intuitive partner. But like I said, we're on the opposite end of the spectrum. And where I say, oh, this didn't work for me. I'm going to try to find it somewhere else. You like fuck this shit. It did not work for me, so I take it as it comes. You know, if it comes, but I feel like you are super hard on people when it comes to romantic. But I think that you're only hard on people because you know what you have to offer, and nobody want to sit here and have somebody playing in their fucking face when you know that you could be giving this person the world, but you know that they also may have the personality to take advantage of shit like that. Um, it's hard. It's also there's a layer for you. For us, dating men. Because men are disingenuous. So they could tell you whatever. And I feel like you are on that side of, I'm going to listen to you talk, nigga. But I really don't believe the things that you're saying. You know, and you're more of a, you have to prove it to me type person. Where I'm more of a, hey, I'm, I just know it's there type person. But overall, I think that love will come for you. Because you're not looking for it you know i think that's when you get hit the hardest is when the shit really does bop you over the head you know if that happens when that happens 
I guess that's fair. The only thing that I would maybe expand upon on that is... I mean, I guess to a degree, I wouldn't call it being hard on people, but I don't like to be played with. I don't like my time to be wasted. <laughs> Not at all by that anybody. A very important thing, especially because I don't require a lot mm-hmm. from a person. Like even getting to the, all you got to do is open your mouth right. or slide your thumbs. Like I, it doesn't take a lot. And so if I don't even get the bare minimum, then yeah, but... As far as your assessment, as far uh, well, as far as your assessment on letting people kind of just say what they say in my face, knowing that they probably are not being true, that's true to an extent. But I think the biggest issues that I've had in dating is whatever you tell me is what I'm going to hold you to. I can see this and I have seen this happen several times. And in my experience, people don't like to be held to the things that they right. say. Because they promised the world in the beginning and when you try to hold them to that, well you said that you were going to do X, Y, Z and these are the things you said you were going to do. And my thing is, even when we're at that stage, I'm like be realistic. And I will, we'll go back and forth on that and you say these are the things that I want to do. This is mm-hmm. how I feel. This is my outlook. I'm going to hold you to that. Right. Because you volunteered that. I didn't pull that out of you. I didn't I didn't even tell you these are the things that I require to try to give you a chance to right. let your representative match up with what you think I want. That's I never, let you talk. That's never going to happen. I let you talk. You are absolutely right. I let you present yourself. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to hold you to it. And if you don't like it, then we don't really have Niggas hate about. accountability. And we're not even talking about deep-seated accountability. Just, I'm just you surface just, level. You, If you tell me I am the kind of guy that I want to talk to my man at least once a day. And right. not just text. I want to hear his voice. Right. Then I'm going to hold you to that. Because that's what you said you wanted. Right. Whether it's... But if I'm the one who has to hold it up. When they say you're the one who said you wanted it. Then yeah, I'm going to look at you funny. I kind of... Wonder to myself, do people like to lie or do people, I had this really hot conversation the other day, right? And I'm sitting here talking to this guy and I'm just like, do people really, when they talk about the things they want, do they talk about it in the sense of this is who I want to be? Or when they talk about the things that they want, do they talk about who they are? You know what I mean? Like somebody yeah. could say, I want to talk to my man. Once a day minimum and I want to actually hear his voice. Right. But has that ever happened for you before? Or is that just something you want to do? Right. Like, is it a wish list or is it a requirement? Right. Is it a wish list or is it a requirement? Can you actually produce the things you're asking for? Right. Like, it's easy to tell me you want to talk to me once a day, but who the fuck's picking up the phone? Right. You know? Things like that. Like, right. I think that people... Because you get into the nuance and then yes. you start... I start peeling back layers and asking yes. questions. So, does that mean that you're going to be calling me at least once a day? Or does that mean I want to talk to my man at once, at least once a day and hear his voice? Meaning, I expect my man... To call me. To call me. And my big thing in dating, because I feel like I'm dating men and I don't really... I'm not really... I don't subscribe to any societal hype, none of the heteronormative shit. So if I'm going to be in a dating situation, it needs to be a situation that works for us. I'm not looking for anything resembling heterosexual dealings. I'm not looking for a, I, I believe that the top should pay for everything. You know what I mean? It needs to be reciprocity. Yeah. No Lauren Hill. But I'm serious about that, That's and I've noticed reason. that a lot of guys, when we, if we get to that point in the conversation, it just it starts drying up because it's like I don't, I, I'm not a caregiver by nature. Okay, I'm not looking to take care of anybody. And see, I am a caregiver by nature, and I feel like that's what. But you're a mother. It comes. Even before I was a mother. Before you were. I was an older sister. So. Yeah, but we're talking about. Yeah. So that's years of conditioning. Years of conditioning. I haven't. And I've had situations where I was a caregiver. But my, I don't want to be in a situation where I feel like it's my duty to take care of you. 
And it's no shame, but it's one of the reasons why I'm glad I'm not straight. Maybe if I were straight, my mind would be different. But this mind could not be a straight man because while I do kind of believe some of this, because women have it hard out here. Y'all make less right. money. Y'all have a lot more expenses just to live, just to be alive and not funky and bloody and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> it's it's pretty high. You know, cost maintenance cost a lot of fucking yes, money. Yes, they do. <laughs> Especially if you got big Yes, big they doctors. do. Yes. I know these things. It takes a lot. Makeup costs, like a lot of stuff that y'all do just to be everyday women, men don't have to do. No. So I do believe to a degree that if you're straight and you're with the woman, part of your responsibility is financial mm-hmm. because that woman has to do a lot more than you. Right. To present <clears throat> herself to the world the way she wants to. Right. Um, so but I don't want that <clears throat> as a homosexual man. I don't want that with another man. Like if we can come together like megazord and dragonzord and we can be out here <laughs> killing these hoes i'm for it but i, I don't want to yeah. be the crucial piece in someone's life that they can't function without me or i feel like i have to do everything i have to pay all the bills right i have to do this i gotta make the appointments i gotta do this i gotta do that i gotta pay for everything i'm not interested in that if it happens because i i can be honest and say i do have a generous heart mm-hmm. when i get to that point if you allow me, but if you come into a situation expecting me to always be paying for this and always this and paying your cell phone bill right. and taking you out to a fucking steak dinner and all that, that's not, I'm not interested in that being obligatory. I, a lot of situations that I cannot cut you off. A lot of situations that I've been in, if it gets to that point, because it, it doesn't often I always kind of get hit with the, the, it starts to feel like there's some obligatory wishes in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm good on that. But anyway. Um, so I just want to speak to a point that you said, like, you don't have this desire to be a caregiver, right? So one of my really big things and showing someone that I care for them is this performative thing. This let me take care of you. And I find pleasure in it. And I think that's the thing that sucks is dating that I in dating for me specifically. If I find pleasure in taking care of you and I'm doing all these little things because I care for you and that's the way I'm showing that I'm caring for you, a lot of times that shit gets flipped into this girl do anything and she's gullible and let me take advantage of her. And it's so hard finding that line to, to walk on, you know, of a, I don't feel good unless I am, you feel supported by me. Like, I don't feel good unless you feel like I'm safe or I, if you needed something from me, I would be there for you type shit. So what I would say on that is you have to get to a point where, you love people the way they need and want to be mm-hmm. loved instead of loving them the way you want to love them. Yes. And I think that's probably your biggest issue is mm-hmm. I feel good when I take care of someone, but they may not want to be taken care of the way you're taking care of. I don't have, I completely agree with what you're saying, right? I don't have any desire to be with a man like that. I'm starting to realize as I get older that you're right in what you say. I need to love some someone the way that I, you know, that they feel loved and not that I feel like they are feeling love. I need to find somebody that matches up with the way that I show love is the way that they feel love because everything else to me feels very artificial. Like I'm, I'm going outside of my way to try to love this person because that's just not who, who I am. You know, just like the perpetual, I'm an extrovert and I've dated introverts and Obviously, it's not the right move for me, but I continue to date introverts. Like some of the shit fundamentally is not going to line up. Mm-hmm. And no matter how much you care for a person, no matter how much you love a person or whatever, if the shit don't line up, it's not going to work. Because at some point, you're going to tire of the thing you're doing to the, for them to make them feel loved. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think that's just a good way to say Love is a lot more than the feelings. It takes a lot more work than that. But speaking of work, so let's talk about our love styles. Okay. So first and foremost, what's your primary love style? Um, my primary love style is pleaser. What's your secondary? Um, my secondary love style is victim. Yikes. So how accurate is this? Do you feel the assessment? Yes. I feel I feel snatched. 
Okay. I feel like my wig was snatched off. Um, so give me like two or three of the highlights of the assessment of okay. a pleaser. The one thing that jumped out to me was the fact that very often the pleaser comes from a home with an angry or critical parent whose anger and intimidation traumatizes the child, which then creates a fearful, anxious child. So sometimes pleasers are formed as they become the good children trying to compensate for wild and really reactive siblings who distress the parent in the household. So my childhood was tumultuous. Um, and it wasn't like a several horrible traumas over a certain amount of time. It was like small things, eviction, um, having to go live different places. Um, I didn't grow up with my biological father. I'm trying to piece those emotions together. And I've always felt like if I could be a better me, if I could be a better person, if I could learn how to do X, Y, Z, then people would care about me more. Because to me, I know that I'm a pleaser because I try to give people the shit that I don't get. If that makes sense. So another thing, um, it says they freeze internally and are immobilized when confronted or pressured. They fear the one creating conflict and they panic and struggle from word to form words. I, I am a person who blows up because I put the shit off, you know, enough because I don't like as loud as I am and as brash as I can be. I hate confrontation, like direct, intimate conversation. Yeah. If you did some shit to me at work, I'd be like, listen, bitch, <laughs> but, you know, but if you do some shit to me in love, I'm constantly second guessing like, well, then. They didn't mean it like this and I absorb it. And I'm like, you know what? You have a tendency to overreact to some things. You have a tendency to be super sensitive and emotional. I mean, you can speak to this just knowing who I am. Why don't you file that shit? And then, you know, think about it. If it's, if it's a real thing, we'll come back to it. And if not, you have absorbed it, but it begins being these things, the straw that broke the camel's back, you know? So what growth tips resonated with you the most? None. None. (laughs) No, no. Um, you don't want to grow. Do I, just, no. I feel like this is my Ayala moment. Mm. Well, are you going to yell at me about Harriet Tubman now? The freedom! <laughs> <laughs> no. flex, flex mom. Yeah. Um, I don't think that the tips... I think the tips are wonderful in themselves. They're like, you know, try not to be a pleaser. But I'm like, girl, how? Yeah. How the fuck? If I knew how to do that, I wouldn't be in the situation that I'm in. But I don't think the test, I think the test was very good at telling me, like, these are your real issues. And it's also this validity because I felt these things. Like, I know I'm an eager to please type of person. But it's just like, I, I would like to, I would like to know from this quiz, like, the people who make it or whatever. You, what are the, give me a suggestion, right? But give me a path. Maybe some things I could do to get to that thing instead of just saying stop pleasing people. Okay, so my primary love style is avoider, and I got sixty four percent of that. So I thought it was eerily accurate. A few of the things that stood out to me is said usually come from performance based homes that value mastery, encourage independence and self reliance, and discourage the expression of feelings or needs. These homes lack affection, tenderness, and or personal discussions. The focus is responsibility. Oof. Avoiders respond to the anxiety of not having comfort and nurturing by learning to take care of themselves. Okay. They restrict their feelings and needs and become independent. So, as adults, they avoid emotions and neediness because that's what they learn to do as kids. So, needless to say, that scalped me. Knowing you, I felt scalping it on your behalf. <laughs> <laughs> Scout by association. Yes. That yeah. was a painful, that was painful for me to hear. Yeah. Knowing so, you. Yeah. To be more accurate for me, I would say my performance-based home didn't necessarily discourage the expression of feelings or needs, but it didn't, in my estimation, foster an environment that it made it safe to do it either. And I don't want to get into all of that, you know, the ins and outs of my childhood and how all that stuff goes. If you've listened to this show long enough, you know about my relationship with my family. Mm -hmm. So the growth tips that resonated with me the most, there were two. The first one was 
take a risk and challenge yourself to share one internal thought and emotion per day with a loved one rather than always saying, I'm fine. I'm not doing that shit. <laughs> but it did seem like a good tip. But the thing is, how? What? Where is the how? So put a pin in that. We'll come okay. back to that. But the reason why I said I'm not doing that, because I think I do it already mm-hmm. with this podcast. As opposed to doing it individually. So instead of me saying, okay, let me hit Nikki up and share something with her. Or let me hit Bree up or Candice or Jeremy or whatever. A lot of the things that I'm processing internally, at some point they come out on the show. Mm-hmm. Because... <clears throat> I kind of got into this point where it's like a duality. So it's like I'm going through the shit as a regular person, but then I kind of always have this podcast to hat on and I'm like, "Huh, this would be good to talk about." Like this love style question. Right. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Okay. On that. So, say you're in a relationship or trying to be in a relationship with somebody, y'all are in the talking stages. Would you be open to saying, "You know what? There are certain things I'm going to say for that person and not put on the podcast?" Just for a level of intimacy between you and him. Um, to share a different intimate thought. Not like I was thinking this and I wanted to put it out to the world. But I was thinking this and I wanted to put it out to specifically you. I could s- see that happening. But I don't think it would be something that I would be doing consciously. Gotcha. I think. That if I were to get into a relationship in the midst of doing this podcast, there would definitely be some boundaries as far as what am I doing and what's for my relationship versus what am I doing that I think would be beneficial. We have to talk about that one day. Put a pin in that. Like being a podcaster, even though I'm like a baby in this right now, um, dating people and podcasting and and podcasting twittering blogging whatever setting those like what i don't want to make my partner feel a type of way for sharing this type of shit but that'll be for another show yeah okay put a pin in that so put a pin in it let's talk about our second love styles so i'll go first so my second love style is facilitator and i got 57 percent of that so how accurate was it here are the things or here's the thing that stood out to me. It said, as adults, facilitators are on a quest to find the consistent love they never received as children. They idealize new relationships, but then get angry and disappointed when their ideal standards are not met. The biggest complaints about facilitators are, I never know what mood I'm going to get, so I feel like I'm walking on eggshells waiting for their anger. Mm-hmm. I can never do anything right. I I scored the same thing, but it was third for me. Mm. I think that there is some truth, but I also think that this, in my experience, has been exaggerated by other people's insecurities. Because, again, my whole thing is I don't expect perfection, but I do expect you to be a man or honestly, if we're talking platonic, a woman or a GNC mm-hmm. of your word. I just thought about the vitamin place instead of gender non Well, they need to be of their word too, <laughs> shit. Because people putting that shit in their body. But anyway, I expect a person to be of their word. And I'm holding you to that. Just And I expect to be held to my word. So it's not a, a it's not an instance of I have to walk on eggshells. I think people just get to a point where it's like they're afraid to mm-hmm. make mistakes and be held accountable for it. And it's like, well, that's life. If I make a mistake, then it is what it is. I, I can't not want to communicate that with my partner or with a friend or whoever because I perceive them as I don't know what mood I'm gonna get, and like I feel like that's a cop out. Yeah, I definitely think that that's a cop out too. But uh, the to me, this was it. It strikes me as the difference between inconsistent love and conditional love, mm-hmm. and it's like the way this reads, and I feel like the the dating situations or just the talking to situations that I've had have been them feeling like. It's conditional 
And it's kind of like, yeah, you get conditional love from me if yours is inconsistent. If mm-hmm. I can't hold you to your word, then you're inconsistent to me. So what you get from me is going to be conditional because yeah. I'm not the type of person that's going to give my all no matter what. If I see early that you are not doing your part, you're not holding your withholding your mm-hmm. your end of the bargain. If I feel like there's danger of me being taken advantage of by giving freely when I'm asking you for the bare minimum, then yes, it is conditional because I don't want to take that risk of being unnecessarily hurt. Yep. And then they say like self-preservation is an instinct. So I think some people have that a lot more than others. I.e. me. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's always going to be me. Right. Like I have to be, I don't even know, but if I had to guess or if I had to put something, I would say I would have to be deeply in love to put my need and my, whatever you call it, my instinct of self-preservation, of emotional preservation, of mental preservation aside for someone else. Mm-hmm. I think- and the biggest thing for me is that consistency. Like you're not going to get mm-hmm. that from me if you have to be consistent. I, when I talk about me in that same breath or whatever I, I'm the complete opposite but I, I'm starting to realize as we talk to each other that I think that there's a, a different layer of this we're talking about each other I mean we're talking to each other as man and woman right but men are not socialized to the shit that women have to be socialized to mm-hmm. you get I've, I've been saying to myself and this is something that I've written in my dream book and it's something that I've intentionally const, like concentrated on men are inherently selfish I don't mean that in a negative way whatsoever right I mean that in a way if you meet a man and the man says my goal is x right as long as he's driven enough he's going to get there no matter what it's going on right mm-hmm Okay, say it's like college. I want to finish my degree or whatever. Say he has a girlfriend or whatever. The girlfriend's like, you know, well, if you leave, you know, you're me here, then, you know, it's not going to work. He'll be like, all right, bye. Whereas on the flip side, a woman is like, okay, I'm thinking about doing this or whatever. How is it going to affect my partner? How is it going to affect my children? How is it going to affect my boss? How is it going to affect my postman? Where men don't really have to think about those things. It's kind of like a to freedom situation. They just get to do, they they are more conditioned to do as they want and not think about other people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So as we sit here and have this conversation, it's like, it's like, it's easy for you to say, I don't want to be X, Y, Z to a person I'm dating because you don't have to be that. Mm-hmm. Men are almost conditioned to give the bare minimum. You know, especially when it comes to relationships and nobody expects more from them. Do you remember we were talking the other day about the point? I made a really uh, a joke about lesbians moving fast or whatever. And you were like, what if they move fast? Because they weren't socialized to any of the bullshit. Like they know how to communicate their feelings. Was that me and you? Yeah, that's uh, a past episode that I had. Yeah, where I had this conversation with the lesbian. Right. And she was. She was a little surprised when I said that, too, because it was just kind of like I never thought about it. Like, I thought we were just moving fast because we were stupid. (laughs) 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 It was like, no, I think there's a little bit more behind it. But okay, so the growth tips that stood out to me and let me just put this out here before I Mm -hmm. say that. The the assessment of the facilitator, I did clock it. It suspiciously sounds like. Typical complaints that people have about Gemini's. Okay. I mean, if you clocked it yourself, I'm not going to even say anything about it. Again, my thing is, I don't, I mean, I don't put too much in that because I don't know too much about it. So I'm not going to go too far into it. But I will say for me, I'm not really the flighty type that people complain about unless Mm -hmm. you give me a reason to. And my thing is, I think people are so just unaware of themselves that they don't know what they're putting out there well can i say something about that whole flighty thing Mm. i think that in your mind you don't think that you're the flighty one because you know in your mind if you leave a situation you stop giving energy to a situation you have a concrete reason 
that you have stopped giving energy to. Right. But I think another person could see that as like, damn, I thought we was vibing or whatever. What's important to you or what's deal breakers to you may not be deal breakers to other people because they've had people to, you know, to deal with their shit for so long. But my thing is, or I guess my answer to that would be, it would be the communication. Like It I'm is not definitely gonna, the communication. And if I have, then it's probably something that I've learned about myself since. But it's the communication. It is. Like, it's not just the flat out, I just stopped talking to you for no reason. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's concrete reasons and... I would like to think that I've tried to broach the subject. We've had some kind of conversation or Mm -hmm. argument about it. So it shouldn't be out of the blue. But my thing is, and it could be something that I need to work on. I don't, time-wise, I don't give a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Because my thing is, and it could be selfish, it could be wrong of me, but I am constantly trying to work on myself. I'm trying to be self-aware I'm trying to be mindful of the things that mm-hmm. I say, the things that I do, my intention towards people, all of that. And the bare minimum is that I expect you to at least try to be doing the same. So if you don't clock that you've done something that has rubbed me the wrong way mm-hmm. and then I have to break down and tell you about it. And then it's still if you're still arguing with me about or you're arguing with me trying to invalidate how I feel, which is a, then I, a dis- so I will disengage. So if that is counts as flighty, then okay. But my, I'm not gonna sit here and let myself be battered yeah. because I'm trying to have, a, I'm trying to communicate to you that something you've done or said has hurt me. And instead of owning that and us trying to fix it, you want to battle me and try to tell me right. no, that's not right, or no, I didn't mean it that way. It's like okay, well, the damage is already done. So yeah. what are you gonna do about that? And in my, in my experience, people are more concerned with not taking ownership of something that they've done Ooh. or said or for hurting my feelings how many, versus actually working on it and us coming to a resolution. How many people, how many relationships in your life would have been saved if a person would have just stopped and said, damn, I, that's fucked up. I made you feel that way. I didn't know that, that I made you feel that way, but I need to talk about, I'm sorry that I made you feel that way. I can think of two off the top of my head. I can think of several because I think that we we have this. And one inherent, of them is one of them is romantic, and the other one is familial. I think that it's just this instinct that we have to explain ourselves, or to to defend ourselves, not even explain. So. So the growth tip for the facilitator that stood out to me the most was notice your high level of preoccupation about not being seen or understood, and live to learn in the present moment. Ruminating about past hurts adds to your pain without solving anything. And honestly, I don't have anything for that. I just, (laughs) my edges are still singed. Yeah. But yeah, so what's your second love style? My second love style is victim. And let me tell you what snatched my wig. Let me read it to you. In chaotic homes, compliant kids survive by trying to stay under the radar and be as invisible as possible. They hide a piece and learn not to be fully present in order to lessen the pain from their angry, violent, chaotic parents. Some kids build whole imaginary worlds in their head where they can escape the pain of abuse. Uh, Victims lack a sense of self-worth or personhood and are often, often anxious, depressed, and just going through the motions. They may replicate their childhood home environment by marrying a controller and using the coping mechanisms of compliance and retreat to get by. Suppressed anger may be inflicted on the kids when the controller is not present, not present, right? Mm -hmm. That's not me. Um, I, victim, I get. I did grow up with parents that weren't the best parents. Um, Not that they were inherently shitty, just that they were young themselves, you know, and they put... They put me in a lot of situations just out of their naivety of not, you know, I was, I'm the oldest child. They had never done this shit before, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the thing that really stabbed me in the chest is I have tried to stay under the radar and I've tried to be as invisible as possible. But I think one thing that this doesn't address and one thing that I clocked about myself is that because I was never allowed to have emotions as a kid. I was never allowed to cry. I was never allowed to be upset with things. I was always told, like, what what you feel like doesn't fucking matter. The thing that I do is I'm over-emotional. I'm overly sensitive. Mm-hmm. Everything that you say to me could be something that just 
you know, makes me want to go off on you because I, when I don't feel like a person is a safe place anymore, they become the enemy. Mm. So I feel that when I don't feel like you're safe, even though I put in this time with you, even though I've tried to make myself a safe place for you, the moment you tell me you're not listening by doing some dumb shit, I'm pretty much like, fuck you and (laughs) your mama and the horse you rode in on, you know, and that's something I'm trying to change. Um, just really quickly, because I'm going to, my growth tip doesn't really apply. So I'm just going to use my little growth tip time to say this. I was, I am learning the hardest lessons that I've learned in my entire life in my 30s. Hmm. Um, you get to date with no consequences in your 20s. Almost. So that's like the foundation, right? So I was 22 when I had my daughter. So I kind of feel like I stopped right there in a lot of the emotional growth because I think a hidden another layer to my situation is that when you're hurt, when you have these soul crushing losses, when you lose these loves that you thought was going to be forever. And then you also have to parent my nigga. (laughs) Mm. A lot of that shit just goes under the rug. I'll deal with those emotions when I get the opportunity to deal with them. And this is my time. Mm -hmm. Now is the first time since my 20s that I'm unpacking a lot of yeah, shit that's happened to all me. All that emotional baggage. All that emotional baggage. And from the outside, it's like, Brie is sensitive. You can't say shit to Brie. But what was really going on with Brie is that I finally feel the power in myself to tell people how to, I feel about them for real. Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah, I seem sensitive. But it's because I've learned that I, I got to call people out in the moment. Yeah. You know, and they're like, damn, why did that upset you so bad? Or it's not that deep is what people love to say. But if I feel disrespected, it's always going to be that deep. Right. So same point that you were making where people don't stop to say, damn, I'm sorry I made you feel that way. Or they do, but they don't stop to say, damn, I really need to think about how what I did made you feel that way versus, oh, well, I'm just sorry that it happened. Right. You know, what's the difference between apologizing and accountability yeah and i mean if you're a fucked up person like me and this is my biggest problem then even when you do that i'm like you still lying (laughs) you know like if you really felt that way why'd you do the shit in the first place well i mean i guess that and that's something i have to work on that's not i know that's wrong if somebody is I I i wouldn't say that it's wrong but i think it's natural to be suspicious and Untru- uh, not give your trust as freely after someone's wronged you. You're absolutely right. And that's why I always say I disagree with the mantra that you have to forgive people for you and it's not for them because people conflate what forgiveness really is. I don't personally, I'm not going to speak for anybody. I, I don't care about your religious text and all of that. If you hear my voice right now, I'm saying for me personally, there's a difference between forgiveness and acceptance. Mm-hmm. I can accept things that have happened and I can move on. But forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness and is overrated as shit. That too. But that this episode is not yes. for that. I feel like I've talked about that before. Probably we'll talk about that in the future. So let's wrap things up okay. with this last question. What's your wish for love in the future? If you could see my face. Because I, t- I said this question was going to be the hardest one to answer. Mm-hmm. Nigga, at this point, I just wish for anything. Like, I wish for anything that feels like what I feel like love should feel like. Okay, I was going to say, let's... Not let's, anything, let's anything. specific. <laughs> um, my older sister lives in Jersey, and I got the opportunity to spend, like, almost a week with her. Almost two weeks with her when we had some family pass away, and she came to stay with me. Mm-hmm. And we were just up talking one night. Background, I didn't grow up with my sister. She's my older sister. She's my dad's child. I didn't know she existed until I was deep into my 20s. But if I'm 34, she's like 39, right? And she turns to me and said, what if we fucked up? Or what if we're like this because we don't understand the concept of, of male-female love because of how our father was? And mm. I was like, oh. Mm. I don't know. So I guess what, what I see for myself for love or what I'm really praying for is that, number one, I recognize love when it comes. Number two... That the love is patient enough with me to work through some shit. Because I know I have issues. Like, I know that I want I want to feel the unconditional love that I've given people. Mm-hmm. So that's what I want. I want to find the person that kind of clicks with me in this really organic, 
We don't have to spend this time, like communication is important and shit. We don't have to spend this time laying, okay, I like this and I like this. And it feels good when you do that because that's just the shit we naturally do. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to, I want a Sunday kind of love. I want something very easy going and very strong. You know, that's what I'd like to see for myself. Um, oh God, I guess I have to be a little bit vulnerable at this point. Yuck. Ew. Uh. Feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Oh man, what's my wish for love in the future? Um, to be honest, I feel like I haven't really done a good assessment of what I even want in love. Mm-hmm. But if we're just saying on wishful thinking, my wish would be for a. Uh, Something solid that I don't have to wonder. I don't have to wonder if you're here because you want to be here Mm. or if you're here because of something that I've done for you Mm -hmm. or because it's convenient. Like, I want the kind of love. If I'm going to allow somebody into my space, that's my personal physical space, that's my heart, my mental space, all of those spaces. If I want to let somebody in then I want it to be with someone that, number one, wants to be there because mm-hmm. they see my value mm-hmm. and someone that is going to nurture those space, take care of those spaces, mm-hmm. number one. Take your shoes off before you come in and then nurture those spaces. I say all that to say, if I'm going to be in a love situation, I want to feel wanted above mm-hmm. all else. If you want my heart, if you want me to break that ice box, if you want me to break that glass, then you have to make me feel truly wanted. And anything less. What's the point? Would be uncivilized. It would be uncivilized. (laughs) You know, because as you're sitting here saying this and I'm listening to you, I'm like your answer plus mine. Right. Yeah. I think both of our answers, like, they pretty much, they complement each they, other. They intersect. They complement each other. They do complement each other, but it's like I'm trying to not be negative. I'm trying to, like, do you know how hard it is to try to get yourself together and be so self-reflective, but also not be negative or overly critical of yourself? Yeah. So I've been dealing with that, and we'll wrap up here. Yes. That I've giving myself permission to be negative sometimes. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean I have to be outwardly negative. I don't have to bombard someone else with the negativity. But for me personally, I have to let it out some way. I can't just wish it away. I can't Mm -hmm. positive think it away. Like I have to express it. And you know what? It's okay. I feel like it's okay to be negative sometimes because... In order for there to be positivity, in order for there to be happiness and wishfulness and all of that stuff, there has to be space for it. So if I have that already and then I have some negativity, something has to be pushed out of the way. If I want more positivity, if I want to think happier and and be more hopeful, I have to let that negativity go some way whether it's mm-hmm. if I'm sometimes I may put work into the podcast sometimes shit, I'll sleep it away shout out to Solange sometimes I try to sex it away sometimes you, uh, you sex <laughs> it away sometimes you sexed it away sexed it away I tried to sex it away but some kind of way you release that negativity mm-hmm. and it gives you space for more positive thinking and a more positive outlook I'm with that okay so that's going to wrap things up. Bree, again, thank you so, so, so much. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me on your beautiful show in this <laughs> space with you being vulnerable and feeling feelings. Which, ugh, God. Don't hold me to any of this. I was lying. Nigga. <laughs> <laughs> hold me to my shit. I wish, you know what, in closing, if there was some kind of hybrid version of where you are and where I'm at that would be dead in the middle, that person would damn near be perfect. That would be a bad mamma jamma. That would. Emotional growth. So tell people where they can find you. Um, you can find me on the lines. Um, Mama Meets World Pod 
no, it's uh, Mama Meets World on Twitter at Mama M A M A Meets World on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, Mama Meets World Pod. I'm on Facebook by just searching Mama Meets World Podcast. Uh, my personal Facebook Facebook page, my per- y'all ain't getting that shit. My personal Twitter page is at underscore it's I T S Miss M I S S Brie. Um, hopefully, I you come take a listen to my show, which Curtis will be on very shortly. So. Good deal. Good thanks deal. for having me. Well. And thanks for being so awesome this weekend. We had fun. We had fun. I'm glad you got the kids got to see you. I don't even say you got to see the kids because I think that you kind of are, you don't think that the kids be thinking about you as much. But nigga, when you saw that look in Jameson's eye, when you picked him up from daycare, like, nigga, is you <laughs> in life? Like, I'm glad that he got to. Yeah. To feel that. I'm glad we had a good time. We had a really good time. And now we are out. All right. Thank you so much. So that wraps up another episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Remember, you can go to GaySideStories.com. That is the hub for all things related to the show. Again, send any feedback, questions, or things of that nature to GaySideStories at gmail.com. If you like what you hear and what I'm doing and you want to show some support, please head over to the Apple Podcast app and leave a five-star rating. And if you feel so inclined, go ahead and write a review. I would appreciate that very, very much. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. With all the podcasts out there, blah, 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 blah. You guys know how this goes. Everyone is appreciative of you listening to their podcast because there's so many to listen to. So I do appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your day to hear what I have to say here on this here podcast. Speaking of podcasts, remember, you can also hear my lovely voice on the Ratchet Ramblings podcast. Basically, if you just want to hear me talk shit and be terrible, head on over there. It's on the CSPN network. You can find that on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, etc., etc., Shout out to Jeremy and Candace, my co-hosts on that podcast. And as always, you guys, listen. Self-reflection is a beautiful thing. Knowing and owning your shit and working on it is a beautiful thing. I know it's hard, but it's so very necessary. You do not want to be that person that is always putting all their shit off on someone else. And wondering why nothing in your life works. Why you can't have your relationships whether they be platonic or otherwise why you just on some can't get right if you ain't right within you guys know how that saying goes i was gonna give a shout out but never mind because i don't think she deserves it she needs to be on time anyway remember to protect your walls or they will crumble and I don't know if you can put Humpty Dumpty back together again if your walls crumble. Anyway, I'm out. See you guys next week.